everybody and welcome to the Sunny 16 podcast. This is show number 182 and we have got, uh, I think what in radio terms they call zoo radio for you this week uh, because uh, I think we've got people all over the world. Uh, We've got people across and therefore in different time zones. So some people in their evening, some people in their day out and about uh, and apologies, you might be able to hear that. Uh, Some people who have literally been woken up by the Skype call uh, and that (laughs) definitely wasn't me honest. (laughs) Or me. (laughs) So, um, the, the, luckily, um, uh, the, our show's uh, long-running and much-loved uh, manager of things, producer of things, and person who pre-plans is with me today, because I'm going to go for a snooze again in a minute. But, <laughs> but Graham, how are you, buddy? I'm doing really well. I'm genuinely surprised that I am perhaps the most awake person here, <laughs> especially given the time zones. Um, but, yeah, it's a delight. And as you said, Aid, we are spanning not just time zones, but also locations, um, because I think somebody's coming to us live from the middle of a four-lane highway, so that's pretty exciting. We might get our first online road incident, which I'm very thrilled about. Yeah, live on the internet, marvellous, marvellous. Okay, all right, well, let, let's, um, uh, let's, let's. whilst there is a moment of quiet, um, welcome to the show, uh, M from Emulsive. M, how you doing, buddy? He's muted himself. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, no, I did. Uh, no, I'm alive. Uh, I, I crossed the most recent road without incident. But hang on a sec. There's a bike coming up behind me. Hang on. Oh. Okay. And another one. Oh. This is going to be the world's oh. first snuff podcast. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, but yeah, I'm I'm doing well. Thank you very much for asking. Splendid. Welcome, welcome back. It's been been a long while. Certainly, since you and I have talked. I think it's it's possibly this podcast last year. But uh, but good good to talk to you, I think mate. So. Uh, and also, please welcome back to the show. Certainly, something I don't think I've spoken to personally for quite a long time either. Is uh, Bellamy Hunt of Japan Camera Hunter. Bellamy, how you doing? I'm all right, guys. How are you doing? Very well, Very thank well, you. Dude. Very well. Yeah, I'm not being killed by anything either, so I'm cool. <laughs> no, you're you're busy baking sausage rolls, so... <laughs> yeah, pretty much, yeah. So I we might have to pop off at some point. If, if we hear a ping, we'll know Bill we have to go and to his sausage rolls. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay that that does kind of undermine your your rock and roll lifestyle internet persona though the fact that you're waiting yeah, on sausage well, rolls <laughs> there's something that people don't know about me my tender side i am actually a big fan of baking so <laughs> this is where you need to come back and be on the great british bake-off <laughs> no no I'm, not, I'm 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 a foreigner now i'm not i'm not a great british anymore um, <laughs> what i am <laughs> okay fair enough fair enough right and our third and final guest for this week's show you heard his dulcet tones just briefly a few seconds ago it is of course hamish gill hello buddy you're right uh yeah a little bit sleepy how about you <laughs> Absolutely the same, yeah. <laughs> right there with you. <laughs> Feel the energy, listeners. Feel it bubbling off them both. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So, so Hamish, unlike uh, M and Bellamy, you and I have spoken and met up in the real world uh, uh, at least once recently. So, yeah. But uh, yeah. any, any news from the last the few days? <laughs> um, I don't know. 
<laughs> well, I'll just I'll just say that's, then. That's been about half an hour. Okay, fair enough. I'll just say then at this point, thank you again for hosting the screening of One Shot Inch and Down, which I've really been practicing calling it by its real name, not by its working title. <laughs> Tanky uh, McTankface, whatever it's called. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was good. It was re- I, the more I I sort of um, reflect on that weekend uh, or that particular day, the more I good, the more good I think that that's what turned out to be really yeah, oh, yeah i think it was good because i basically had no, like zero input on how the day went just kind of let everybody do what they wanted to do and it kind of went quite well really that was totally <sighs> evident by the photo walk route we took yeah <laughs> yes i think it was zen master though hamish because as you said you managed to you managed to plan out a day which worked flawlessly everyone was happy and yet it didn't require you running around like a headless chicken which Having done the whole running around like a headless chicken thing at the photography show last year and nearly killing myself with it, um, yeah. I'm like, okay, there's lessons to be learned from this. Um, so, yeah, I'll be coming to you for what all my approaches. Yeah, what does Hamish do? Absolutely I'll nothing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's the secret to your success. Yeah. Uh, well, just, just let people do what they want. Cool. No, it was a great it was a great day and a great evening. Thank you again. Right, over to Graham. Uh Graham, I know you're gonna <coughs> keep this conversation moving because we've got people with hard timeouts today, but you have also it prepped uh, a, a good few bits and bobs for us to discuss and, and ruminate on. Yeah, well, as always, the point of this show, this uh, I guess penultimate show of the year, is to get the three wise men of uh or three of the wise men, or well this time in the morning. <laughs> the three men um, of analogue photography together to sort of look back over the last year and share their thoughts and wisdom in this forum. So, um, as you said, we've not got a lot of time because people have got stuff to do. So we've only got about an hour. So we're going to crack through stuff. But we wanted to get some thoughts on some of the stuff. And that's always start off especially pertinent given the um, activities of the last week um, with a look at some of the new films that have come out this year um, and thoughts on the new films and just on sort of where we're at with all of that stuff films coming films going I don't even know if we've had any film discontinuations this year um, but yeah it's been a pretty good year for film I mean we had um, it's, and it, I think it's pretty much all happened towards the tail end of the year as well with the ortho with Metropolis coming out and with Ectochrome hitting in 120 in sheets as well. So um, it's been a good year. Uh, gentlemen, who wants to sort of express first thoughts on this? I mean, yes. M, you're literally... <laughs> Wonderful. M, you're literally out and about in Taipei at the moment, walking around with a, a, an F6 and a roll of Acros, Metropolis and Ectochrome. So I feel like you're, you're ready to express at least some thoughts on these films. Uh, okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's, yeah, I mean, it's, it's been a fantastic year. And as you said, most of the activity seems to have happened at the end of the year. So we had Lomo's Kickstarter, when was that? June, July for uh, Metropolis. Or actually, was that even August? Was that as late as August? Um, they've now shipped and I've, I've loaded that instead of the, the other two films in, in my camera today. Uh, we've got Acros in two formats. We've got Ortho Plus in two new formats. We've got um, Ectochrome in two new formats. Um, so what's, what's that? We've got four four new films and including 110 and 16 mil and 8 mil for Metropolis, probably like a billion formats. So it, it's fantastic. It's been, it's been um, a lot of effort to keep up with. 
just you know who's doing what when when stuff's being released where you know where is it being released what are the prices looking like because they vary so much um but i think it's been fantastic and it's not something that i would have guessed happening when i started this thing back in the middle of 2015. one of the most uh, i suppose notable thing is the fact that ilford and kodak are at the forefront of shoving out new stuff and was for a while it was great seeing new stuff coming from boutique suppliers like you bellamy and um other smaller suppliers um seeing the big boys come back into the market is quite heartening isn't it yeah i mean i i've always i've always said to um the people that i speak to at kodak and ilford that even if smaller companies and, and individuals like Bellamy, like like Washi, like Stephen Dowling, are bringing out new film, bringing out new brands of film, um, it's going to the sea change isn't going to happen until um, someone big like Kodak or someone big like like Ilford actually steps up and says, "Okay, we feel confident enough in the market where it is today, in our financial position, and in our ability to sell this film, um, to to go ahead and produce new stock." Um, so it's 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 much more than just giving people choice and just bowing down to demand from the community. It's the the reflection of a healthy, uh, growing film shooting community, which I think is is brilliant. Uh, Bellamy, you're out in Japan, obviously. Um, yeah. I, I think probably everybody knows that. And so you've got yeah. a you're far more plugged into the culture and the business culture out there. How significant sure. do you feel the return of Acros is as as an indicator within Fuji? Um, uh, that's a confusing one. You see, um, Fuji have been pretty open about their intent. You know what they want to do, and and Acros, this this kind of came out of the blue because. Up until uh, prior to that point, their intent had been, we're going to focus on the Instax range, you know, um, and and they had been up in the prices and sort of making this self-fulfilling prophecy with regards to cutting lines of film. Um, so when they said, oh, yeah, we're going to bring back Acros because of popular demand, I mean, I knew that them cutting Acros was going to be a mistake. That that was going to be a bad idea. And I think they suddenly realized the same thing as well, because of all of their film stocks, that was the one that, you know, it was the black and white one. It was the one that was easiest to access. It was, you know, it was cheap. <laughs> um, so personally, I remain a bit cynical because, you know, the price prior to uh, original Acros was like uh, 420 yen per roll, which is about four dollars us and i don't know pounds sorry <laughs> forgot that um, <laughs> you um, traitor yeah well you know um, to it, I say. <laughs> but but now you're looking at a thousand and forty or a thousand and eighty yen per roll you know which is a yeah, huge 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 increase um you know the cynical side of me says oh you know they knew exactly what was going on they've had this opportunity to raise the prices in line with other people's films uh, instead of doing some, you know, vague price rise. Um, but at the other side, the you know, flip side of that is they realized that, uh, you know, the consumer power was enough that it was worthwhile bringing this film back. And they had enough from people within the community, particularly in Japan, that would say to them, oh, you know, we probably should, you know, put this stuff back on the shelves, you know. Um, I, I can't really say for their other markets. I kind of only really know the domestic market, but I know that there was a lot of sentiment amongst photographers here that, that was, 
why did you do this? You need to bring this back. You know, so. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I commend them for what they've done. Not a huge fan of the price rise, but at least they've done it. One of the things that I'm interested in, and you know, and I'm interesting is you haven't had much chance to speak. You know, you can because this, this is all speculation, but the fact that Acros is made in the UK, and there's not a lot of film coating companies within the UK that we can really go, well, is it this one or is it that one? But um, does the fact that Acros is being made in the UK, what does that say about Fuji's? Um, ongoing ability to produce film in general do you think this is just a well no this is a convenience thing but they still have all the production facilities to do other stuff or do you think that this is an indication that no if we're going to see more film from fuji going forward they are going to have to outsource manufacture of it was that, was that believe, same to me is that for? <laughs> let's, let's, let's aim and have a go at that first then anybody else who wants to try to share well i mean it's all speculative isn't it i i, I think that that really all that all that matters is sort of to to go on to comment on uh, Bellamy's point about the price is I think that they're probably um, they are doing something that is essentially testing testing the market, aren't they? So if they can reduce their um, their risk by working with a third party, can bring a new or bring back a product to market at, at uh, an increased price that still sells, um, then you know th that will that will they will see that as a positive, you know, a positive thing that w will hopefully encourage them to do more. I'd imagine this is a test. Do you know what I mean? I I don't, I don't know anything about what their production capability is um, anywhere else in the world, but it, it just strikes me that this is a you know, let's do this, let's see what happens, and if it works, let's go from there kind of thing if i was in if i was running fuji that's what i would be doing do you know what I mean testing the market and you know yeah yeah um you, you were going to jump in on this really i don't know oh. maybe it was bellamy <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was bellamy it was bellamy, bellamy. sorry think... bellamy yeah so um i think it hamish is exactly right it is a market test <laughs> Uh, to the best of my understanding, they no longer have all of the capabilities that they used to have for film manufacture because of market constraints and new product lines. They have, uh, you know, uh, certain production systems have been changed, removed, closed. They, I mean, they closed their European facility a long time ago. Um, and the facilities in Japan have been, for the most part, repurposed. And, and this is from what I've heard, you know, underground. So, um, yeah, uh, I would say that this is a market test for them. I don't think that they have the capability to produce what they used to produce any longer. Yeah. Um, and it will be a case of if they want other product lines to come, they will most likely be outsourced. Yeah. I mean, to me, that seems like it's probably not a bad thing. Um, the the uh not capacity the demand for film uh, do you guys think that the demand for film can be comfortably supplied by the number of people who are actively making it at the moment because it, it feels like it probably can between yeah. ilford and kodak and um i i i'm not sure who the foma and whoever else is it Orwo? i get really confused once we get into those territories but um, um some of it can be but 
there are certain aspects of the film manufacturing process that, that is actually struggling to meet demand now. Because everywhere closed, so there's only a couple of places that can do certain aspects of the production, which means that they're now backlogged. And you know, so I, I would say, in actual fact, that the, the current system, the way it is structured, is not able to meet demand. It will not be able to meet demand. Well, so M, hello. Can you can, can you maybe mute whilst you're walking through the busier sections of the metropolis? <laughs> I, I, I was actually expecting to talk, which is why I didn't remute my microphone. But I'll just you know shut up now. <laughs> just the back. Oh boy. Uh, so sorry, Bellamy. I didn't quite catch that last bit. Um. So uh, basically, the way that the the film. Uh, business has been restructured over the years. Lack of investment, you know, uh, too long didn't read. There's not enough uh, uh, manufacturing capabilities to meet demand now. Um, so now you're at, we're actually in a position where certain aspects could produce more than we could ever need, but there is a bottleneck in part of the process, which means that there are going to be films that are backlogged, um, which is why investment needs to happen so that because the film is becoming more popular and they can't make film quick enough now. That's, so that's, that's really interesting and also a bit scary because you know, if we're talking about price rises, I mean, you've got basic economics at that point. Have you go to supply and demand? You know, if the yep. demand is way higher than the supply and, and even if there is investment over time, it's going to take time to build some of those manufacturing plants. That, does that mean that we're going to see more price rises? I don't know about more price rises. I think it's just going to be a case of as because the, these companies have been aware of this issue for a while. It's not news to them, you know, um, so they are actively investing in making sure that they can cope with this demand. So I, I don't think if we did see price rises, they certainly wouldn't be immediate. Um Em, you, you can come back off mute now because I want to ask you about something, Em. You get um you Hello. get contacted by a, a lot of people. You know, a lot of people starting out projects and stuff. <clears throat> you're a, a great first point of call for advice and for help with stuff. And over the last five years, we've seen a lot of boutique films, something like Melody, but also a lot of things like Double Film and Yodica and um, the Revlog stuff and so on and so forth. These um limitations on production as you know companies are needing to use more bandwidth for their own stuff and the rises in price do you think this is going to have an impact on the boutique ranges do you think we're like you know are you still hearing from new people wanting to do stuff or do you think that that's going to actually diminish going forwards it's, it's kind of a difficult question to ask um you have boutique in the style of uh, people like Lomig over at Film Washi, even the Silbera guys. And I think we can probably call them just small manufacturer. Mm. Um, I think you, if you're talking true boutique films, and I wouldn't include Bellamy's uh, street pan in this either, it's going to be stuff like uh, Double and Revlog and Yorica. <clears throat> where they're, 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 they're purchasing film stock, in some cases, direct from manufacturers, potentially uh, taking away from product that that manufacturer can put on the shelves as their, as their own. Um, I think the, the problem over the last five years with these kind of smaller companies is they figuring out repeatable manufacturing process, processes on a smaller scale um, and B, finding product. Uh, to actually manipulate and change and, and 
repackaged. I, I don't think any of those challenges are any different compared to what they were five years ago. Yeah. Um, I think the, the biggest problem is, as Bellamy has said, as, as Hamish has said, is it's going to be um, production going into this new um, higher volume era of, of film photography. And th there's definitely <clears throat> there's definitely um, a bottleneck at the manufacturing and at the, the, the finishing stage, the, the kind of confection. So making a master roll into a you know, retailable product. Um, and although there are certain organizations have spare capacity that they can throw at that, um, we need, we, you know, we're kind of in, in the area now where we're talking about developing new manufacturing lines to support, um, the production of film. Yeah. Um, and that, that, that's obviously going to come at a cost. The machines are not small, even for smaller volumes, even for smaller production runs, uh, and they're not cheap. So you've got facilities, you've got property, you've got, uh, engineering effort that needs to go in to actually build these things. And it's, they're not anything that's going to come quickly as well. You can't just snap your fingers and have a, a new coating and finishing line. Um, as far as the price rises go, <coughs> I think if you look at um, Fuji have been called out over the last couple of years for their, um, for their price rises, 30% here, 20% there. Um, but People like Lomography, people like Kodak have been let off for some strange reason. Kodak had a 15 to 30% price rise last year as well. Um, but we seem to have conveniently forgotten about that, considering that there's now this news of a 15 to 30% price rise coming on January 1st, 2020. I think the biggest problem that we have as film photographers is that we are cheap and we're used to buying cameras cheap, buying film cheap, buying chemistry cheap. <clears throat> And a lot of people, you know, they, they thumb their noses at the idea of new camera hardware. Why bother? I've got, you know, 15 FM2 sitting in a cupboard or I've got a, a, a freezer of, you know, 400 boxes of, of XYZ pan in, in you know, in, in the freezer. And I think we, we need to kind of face up to the reality that the price of being a film photographer does need at some point to, to at least meet inflation in the middle somewhere. Um, yeah. And although that means that me personally, I will be shooting less film. Um, and although it may mean that it's more difficult for people to enter film in emerging markets, like in, in the Far East, the Philippines is, is a fantastic example of that. Um, if it means that we've got a more sustainable industry that's more willing to invest um, in production capabilities greater than they have now, then fine. I'll just, you know, I'll shoot a couple of roles less every month and perhaps perhaps film will finally slow me down um i think you, you did point out a very good fact there though is that it's kind of it's easy for us on this call to have this conversation and and i think we would probably all agree i mean i know we talked about um your uh, the price on your film earlier in the year bellamy about the fact you know that it needs to cost <coughs> what it needs to cost to make it um yep. but it, it, no, we are all no quite, price rises here no price rises there you go you heard it first but you know these these <laughs> These price rises coming from Kodak, um, particularly as the way that they're scaled so that the the cheaper end of their range is getting the biggest percentage rise on it. Um, there are people who are not in the sort of privileged position that we are for whom this is going to hit harder. Um, I mean, I know when I first got into analog photography, the, the thing that drove me into it, I just couldn't afford to buy any of the gear for digital, so well, okay, I can afford to buy a ten pound camera and lens, and okay, I can do this. Um, 
so that there are people who it is going to have a sort of serious effect on what they can do um and how i suppose the my my concern is um that the balance in it is still precarious it, it, you know we, we're not on solid footing yet um how 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 do we sort of tiptoe around this of you know one absolutely i completely agree that film needs to charge you know the, the manufacturers need to charge what they need to charge to make it um make them able to continue producing going forwards but not knocking out large chunks of the market who are, are on a very tight budget particularly you know students young people coming into the, the bit that drives the market from the bottom yeah um i mean it, it... Unfortunately, the, the, this is market economics. And as I've been saying since I started this site, you know, since I started doing this, film is going to get more expensive and there's absolutely nothing we can do about it. Raw materials become more expensive. Labor becomes more expensive. Rent, become, you know, rates, all of these things every year. You, you know, you never hear of prices going down in anything. Um, and, and unfortunately, we have to face the fact that although we don't want, I, I certainly don't want students priced out of the market, um, you know, because I remember being in exactly that position. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, unless we increase production and increase manufacturers and give them the opportunity to produce a cheaper film, you know, um, we're not going to be able to keep prices down. Ideally, it would be great if, you know, Fuji could knock out Atcross again for 400 yen a roll. I mean, that's as cheap as chips, you know. Mm. <laughs> um, they've obviously realized that they don't have to. And that's a case of, you know, can't, but I think don't have to. Um, you know, so it's going to take uh, somebody, a, a company of Ilford's production capacity to be able to do that, really. Yeah. Or Kodak, you know, to produce a film like that. But that would be taking away from investing in the infrastructure. So I think we've got this sort of bitter pill to swallow where we have to invest in this. And it comes down to people like ourselves who can afford the film to invest in this so that the next generation of film shooters will be able to have cheaper film. And, and that's maybe what it's going to take. Yeah. Just, just a little ray of sunshine, maybe, because I know this is this is is all really hard stuff. But um, it, just looking at a, a, a website of a of a friend, another friend of the show, um, there is a roll of Kentmere for three pound eighty and a and a reloadable camera for thirty pounds, right? And okay, well, this is what I was just about to say. So, so yeah, you know the what 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 do I take from that? Why why do I bring it up? I mean, I think you know some of these things we're talking about are are luxury products. You know, I know a lot of people are, are, are used to, to shooting, you know, Acros and, and, and Neopan and all, all sorts of other things. But but they are, I mean, you know, when I was a kid, uh, the film my dad shot on our summer holidays had things like bonus print and true print written on it. Um, yeah. he, he, he wasn't, and, and from what I remember, any of the photographers in our family, none of, none of them were shooting, you know, the, these, uh, well, for want of a better phrase, uh, luxury products. So I, I think you think Tudor, <laughs> mm, <laughs> <Yeah>. York. <laughs> so yeah, the 
I, I, th- I wonder. I wonder whether we are. You know, yes, it, it, whether we are economists or, or emotional artists or a blend of the two. Somewhere, somewhere on a spectrum there, because you know, I, I think it is a shame that some of these really great films, what you might what you might call, or what in the past have been branded by their manufacturers as professional films. Um, it is a shame that these are going to need to go up, but but that does make it. Yeah, if that makes the market more sustainable, then then that is a hit we are going to have to take. But there are still things you know that that are I, I take some confidence from that 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 remove the barriers to entry. I mean, if you could buy a brick of Kentmere four hundred for for the price of one roll of ectochrome, <laughs> mm. uh, then then the, 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 that that's a a broader marketplace there, isn't it? A broader pricing structure in the economy. As long as the as long as the film companies, you know, like Kodak and and Ilford, as long as they still offer bulk rolling as well. You know, um, if they're going to still offer you to buy, you know, 200 meters or 100 meters or whatever it is and just bolt roll yourself, that's always going to be the cheapest option, you know. And as you know, to the best of my knowledge, they're still, you know, you can still buy that stuff. So, yes, again, same web page. And I will mention his name now because it's, fu- it's it's fulfilled two parts of the conversation. But this is Analog Wonderland, Paul Mackay's website. On the same website, we've got on the same page. Sorry, I should say just on searching on the Kentmere brand. You've got a roll of 24 for £3.80, a roll of 36 for £4.50, uh, a, a roll of 30.5 metres, a bulk roll yep. for, for £55 and the Harman reloadable camera for £30. Yeah, uh, yeah that's not... Um, uh, there will be other examples. This is just the first one I came about. This is not a promotional p- pitch for for all things Harman. But it's... Yeah, I, I think there's... I, I don't know. I think perhaps some of the people in our film community, uh, their their memory is it is a little bit selective and a little bit emotionally charged with this stuff. Um, you know, better to have these things and be slightly expensive and have a broader range of products in the market. Um, for me, anyway, uh, better to have that than it is to have things going away. And if I think about conversations we've had over the years. Um, you know, we you know, instead of having a conversation about you know, the number of film stocks that have been taken out of the marketplace. We're discussing the pricing calibration of the ones that have been reintroduced. I I, I think that's a positive step forward. I don't know about anybody else. Yeah, I, I, I think you're right. And I think it's, this is the, you know, if we've got, if we've got a community that has become used to, you know, driving Mercedes, then, parts of the community the ones that don't have quite so much uh, disposable income uh, are going to have to get used to driving ford fiestas or whatever do you know what i mean it's just it, it, yeah. it's just it's just how it is some stuff's more expensive some stuff's premium some stuff's not and that kent that you've just said aid is works out at three pound a roll if you bulk roll it well that's that's as, that's as cheap as i can remember film being really i mean apart from the you know rolls of 24 of you know that you used to be able to get from um, Poundland, and um, that's that's a good that's a good cheap film. So, you know, it, as as Bellamy said, it's it's, it's oh, we, we've got to have this. We've got, we've got this. We've got this. You know, we've got the yeah. We've got the choice. That's 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 the main thing, isn't it? That's the main thing. Yeah, as you said, I, mean, I think we've all got a bit used to having access to 
the premium the premium cameras the premium films um at a, at a very affordable price um and making hay whilst the sun shines and um you know it, it sounds as though we're getting into an age where actually things are starting to settle back into no premium cameras now cost a premium price again and premium film is going to carry a premium and we just need to make our choices where our budget lies i mean the thing is kent me is a great film the cheaper Kodak films are, are still very good films. I've seen a lot of results. A lot of people use um, Kentmere in the Cheap Shots Challenge, and they get lovely results from it. These are not bad films. We've just been quite spoiled by... To, to a lesser degree, less or greater degree, um, a lot of the... I mean, you know, this is going to sound really snarky, but a lot of the results that people are getting from a lot of the premium films are not up to what the premium films are capable of anyway. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? There's a lot of people out there who could probably do with spending a lot more time shooting cheaper roles and developing cheaper roles to get to grips with it to the point that they can actually, do you know what I mean? Some of the results that you see on some of the Facebook groups, people are spending a fortune on portrait and think, oh, how are you making it look so crap? <laughs> <laughs> I'm good at that. That's one of my special and, skills. And, well, yeah, I mean, I, I, it, it, but it's ridiculous, isn't it? Like, practice on something cheaper. Like, if you're spending all this money and getting awful results, then, you know, what? what's the problem? I don't know. That's a bit of a snug. It's Sunday morning, Hamish. Don't yeah. worry about it. <laughs> um, have there been, I, I was trying to think, have we lost any films this year? I don't think we have, have we? Nothing has gone away this year. That's a good question. I don't. I don't remember anything being withdrawn. Some films have become some. Some films have become certainly expensive. Mind you, they become just new old stock, aren't they? Really? Mm. There was that thing recently about the. I've got. I've got two rolls of Natura in in my fridge, and um, I think if I leave it another six weeks, I'll probably be able to retire. <laughs> <laughs> It's mad. Prices for that stuff are just ridiculous. Yeah, I've got and, 10 it, rolls. <laughs> that, 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 that's enough to pay your mortgage for the next two exactly, years. Exactly, that's my house. <laughs> <laughs> I think we, we, we haven't had any films uh, go this year. Oh, hang on. Oh, no, this is a quiet bike. Um, we haven't had any films go this year, but we've certainly seen the effect of production not being able to keep up with demand. Um, I know that there was that there's been a massive run in the U.S. for Kodak Gold 200. Um, it was heavily discounted at Walgreens. People are saying, right, it's going to be discontinued because it's going for 40, 50, 60 percent off. Um, people are running around buying as much as they can, and then suddenly there's, there's surprise, surprise, there's a shortage. Um, and I know Kodak. Uh, announced informally, I think, informally on their um, one of their social media channels that they're expecting their logistics to be able to catch up with demand um, at some point mid next year. That's quite a so lead time. It, it is quite a lead time. And I wouldn't say so. Yeah, I was going to say that. That sounds quite impressive. I mean, you've got you've yeah. got these you've got these massive sort of. Bu- for the better word, bumbling old companies that are having to deal with and have over the last, you know, six, seven years had to deal with massive declines and now the exact opposite. And then yeah. these are companies that have been going for ages and have got all this old machinery and all this, you know, all this old infrastructure that they need to shut down and then make work again. And, 
and and fund all that you know six months to 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 turn that around well this is if they can if they can achieve that sort of thing this is six months into about a year of of supply issues well a year and a half maybe two years of supply issues if you include backing paper changes and issues with xr and tmax and various sort of film stocks having to be recalled in 120 format um You've got issues with Cine Still, which obviously relies on Kodak production as well. Um, there are some people I know who are saying that they haven't received new Cine Still stock um, uh, in, in their stores for the last six to nine, uh, six to nine months. Um, and that's yeah, even after having placed, placed orders and back orders. So I, I think six months sounds impressive if you think it's just been six months, but it's been a considerably longer period of time than that. But it's it's still positive. Yeah, it's still good. The fact I, that I, they're, I, It they're doesn't fighting. surprise me. I it, sorry, Tim. I don't, I doesn't, doesn't surprise me. I mean, this is, as I say, this is, we're talking, you know, if you had to, if you had, <clears throat> it's go, problems are going to happen with companies mm. that have had to shrink and now are having to grow in, in quick succession. I mean, that, it's just going to be how it is. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, all the, the sort of whinging and moaning of it. I just think, God, how how entitled as a community could we possibly make ourselves seem? It's ridiculous. <laughs> like, I mean, there's you, always going to be, there's always alternatives. You can see how entitled the community is. Well, you can see how entitled the community is every single time a new film stock gets announced. Yes. So people getting getting the arse because Ilford didn't release a in colour infrared <laughs> film. What is that all about? Um, yeah. Or uh, and, and, and this is the hypersensitive photographer's podcast. You don't get to go full bore up on that. Um, yeah. what, like, talking about consumers getting their noses pushed out because stuff is um, not available is one thing. But I mean, what about companies like Cine Still who are reliant on a flow of material coming from Kodak? And if that dries up, then their business is hit hard. I mean, I know that there are other people, you know, we talked about companies like Double and Yordica who are using color films like that and then doing their stuff with them but cine still yeah. seems like it's probably the biggest of those and where does that leave them if they can't get a continuous supply well, you, you, you don't just, you don't just, end up sorry hamish because i'm going to interrupt you trying to interrupt someone else um <laughs> yeah. I, I i don't i don't think cine still is cine still rely on more than just a gentleman's agreement with kodak because there's more technical stuff going on than saying you know, give us a master roll of film, but stick it in the washing machine first. Um, so there are there are agreements, there are contracts, there are relationships that are at play, and certainly Cine still are going to be subject to Kodak's rises. Um, and as probably already the most expensive film stock on the market today, they're they're, they're probably going to retain that accolade with all of these other co- you know other Kodak price rises coming into the uh, into the fray as well. Um, I don't think Cine still really are in danger of having their source dry up um, because it adds another product line, you know, a sub product line that Kodak can produce. I think that they're just going to be subject to the same manufacturing timescales um, that uh, the, 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 that Kodak can provide. So if Kodak is slow, then, then Cine still by, by extension are going to be slow as well. And if these, if these smaller companies uh, get themselves in trouble, um because of these things that are happening in the bigger companies then i would suggest it's it's just the well it's probably their own fault because the smaller the smaller companies the way the smaller companies if they have any sense will run themselves is 
essentially to be as agile as possible. Um, and if they don't run themselves like that, then they've obviously made the wrong the wrong risks. Yeah. They're taking the wrong risks, if you see what I mean. Yeah, I, mean I, it, I, it, I do. I yeah. would imagine that they've, they've built it into their business plans um, if they have any sense to... Um, to run in such a way that they can that they can handle problems. Yeah. So in th- in, th- in economic theory terms, these guys should be making super profits now, because they 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 will have come from somewhere small and they will have found that they can't fulfil the demand for their product. Um, and I know that's partly because of a you know, supply chain issues that hopefully are only temporary. But you know if they've scaled themselves correctly, then they should be making more money than ever. Um, albeit their growth will be frustrated. Um, <laughs> But it, yeah, hope, hopefully uh, this, you know, the, the, this is, um, you know, in the sense that uh, a, a rising tide raises all boats or whatever that phrase is, um, you know, if the demand is out there for the product, then hopefully people will have sufficient business acumen to, to scale in a, uh, a sustainable fashion. But of course, we, we, we will have to see. But I, I'm not surprised in, in, in that kind of economic environment. I'm not surprised that we haven't seen these smaller producers uh, stop producing or, or say that they can no longer produce. It, it's if it's because they, they should be, in theory, doing quite well for themselves at the moment. But well, how are you finding this, Bellamy? I mean, you, you're a case in point. You, you are compared to Kodak and Elford, you're a smaller producer. How are things going? Um, the, well, it's interesting. You see, <laughs> uh, we don't make that much extra money. It's the distributors that make the extra money. Um, you know, um, they, they're always telling us how oh, it's terribly expensive, it's terribly expensive, but they're the ones that set, you know, basically sell to the stores. So, and then the, the stores don't make a, a huge amount of extra. It's, it's the guy, the middleman who gets the, the lion's share, it would seem. Um, but, you know, film sales have increased. They have improved. Um, there's no denying it, you know. Um, I will be looking at the case of being next year unable to supply enough film. Um, you know, my uh, I'm still waiting on production, and that could take some time. And if it does, it's going to leave me in a position where I'm going to have to say to people, sorry, you're just going to have to wait. Uh, that It's inevitable. I have to face it, you know. Um I don't see it as a bad thing, though. Uh, yeah, I see. I see it as an opportunity. So yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I, I want to move on from film because we're sort of the clock is running. Um, one of the things that we've really seen push through this year, obviously, it's always been there, but it seems to have gained a lot of traction this year and a lot more people are looking towards it is printing um people actually having a go there's been uh, back in april we had the intrepid enlarger come out which i think opened up um opportunities for a lot of people who might not have had the chance before we'd had the uh release of the multi-grade deluxe their fifth gen of the offer stuff in um november um and yeah there just generally seems to be a lot of interest in people going to the next stage, not just taking the pictures, but making prints as well. Um, em, you, know, you do a lot of stuff with this on the website. Um, what's your feelings on this? Are, you know, are, are you seeing more interesting articles about printing? Yeah, certainly. And there's also new paper, new uh, Fomabrom from uh, Foma Bohemia as well, just to add mm. to that list. Um, I think in seeing the resurgence of printing in the community is a sign of the community growing up 
um, a lot of the people who've led conversations about film photography, especially on social media and what have you, um, they have been relatively new to it <clears throat> in, in, in some respects. Maybe they're digital native, maybe they're just old film shooters coming back. Um, and I think printing is it's the next logical step after having taken a photo anyway. And with the amount of cheap um, darkroom products, either secondhand or, or brand new, to talk about the, um, the, uh, the Intrepid Enlarger, I think it's, it's just natural that people will, will start doing it. Um, there's been a huge interest on, on just on my part in creating more darkroom-related content, <clears throat> content for Emulsive, whether that be um, telling people how they can make their first prints or how to go about doing test prints, even looking at RA4 color printing as well. Um, and it's certainly everywhere. There, there are people that I can see who I've known on social media for the last four or five years who started off back then with point-and-shoot cameras who have upgraded to Leicas. They've upgraded. To, they've gone to wide pans. They've, they've gone and started buying um, enlargers, papers. They've built their darkrooms, and, and they're now printing all of their work as well. So, yeah, TLDR, the whole thing. It's a natural progression. I don't see it slowing down. Um, however, accessibility <clears throat> to uh, products that enable people to print um, at a, a kind of cost-effective price point is difficult outside of America, Western Europe, and, and potentially Australia. Yeah, anywhere outside of those, <clears throat> those territories. And it's really, really hard, really, really hard yeah. to get the stuff that you need. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, um, I mean, we, we've seen a lot, uh, uh, probably alongside that, a lot of um, growth in just the darkroom spaces. It seems that community darkrooms are popping up all over the place again now. I don't know whether that's just the thing that Certainly. feels quite in the UK, but it does right. seem to be... Yeah, certainly. I was talking to a guy just the other day. Um, he's introducing me to a chap in Turkey who's uh, built a community darkroom in Istanbul. And it's, I think it's the only community darkroom in Istanbul. Uh, there's another guy doing the same thing in Egypt. <clears throat> there's a guy that's trying to do uh, the same thing in Jordan as well. Um, and th these, these three countries specifically, I mean, it's, if it's hard for me to buy enlarging gear where I am, uh, in the world, for these guys to buy enlargers and easels and all of that kind of stuff is near on impossible. So you've got to applaud it. You know, to go through so much trouble to go and do something, there must be value in doing it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what do you feel, like, Hamish? You're on 35mmc. You're a, a big promoter of getting people into stuff. A lot of people go to you to find out about cameras and the, you know, they're checking out the reviews and all the other articles on there. But I mean, as promoting printing and that next step in the maturation of of our little group or not even a little group of photographers anymore what do you think of the obstacles that need to be removed to make it easier for more people to get into it i mean i think people pe pe we're a creative bunch aren't we i think people find a way <laughs> i mean that, that that's kind of the and i think in a lot of people's um worlds sort of finding a way is part part of the fun yeah if you know what I mean. you know it's it's the, the 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 we like a challenge don't we apparently um <laughs> so you know if there's obstacles there i think that's i, I think i don't know I, I genuinely think that's part of the attraction and um, i've certainly seen more i posted <clears throat> i very rarely allow content on the website that sort of 
um, strongly makes arguments for things in a kind of um, uh, in a sort of prescriptive way. But I I, I let a post go out the other day that was entitled something along the lines of why I think everybody should print in the dark room or something like that, which is it's just way outside of my normal kind the normal kind of content that I usually post or usually sort of let through the net. Um, but I think people, you know, people who are interested, people should be people should be encouraged because it, it is it's more to support the industry. Um, but I think people will. I think one of the reasons it's happening is that some of the reason that people get into film photography is that it's something different. And now, you know, people are in for film photography and there's loads of people doing it. So people are looking within it, are looking for something different. Do you know what I mean? They're not, they're looking for, again, they're looking to find that, you know, as I say, that slightly more difficult turn or that slightly more um, involved process or, um, yeah. 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 Um, I, I wonder, Bellamy, I mean, obviously you've got the Street Pound range of films, which has been very popular. And it, it, well, I think it did well uh, in its branding was, oh, here's a film. If you want to shoot this kind of photography, I mean, obviously it's good for all sorts of photography, but it's like it's called Street Pan. Here's a film that will give you a good edgy street. Look. Do you think there's any bandwidth in the idea of, um, OK, for somebody who wants a, a clear path into it, here's a paper that will work well with this kind of film get that oh. you want to have a go at doing this do that yeah absolutely there is yeah um you know uh i i don't i haven't had the chance to get in the darkroom much in the last year or two because it's just been so mental and the darkrooms near me that i don't have my own one my my wife would kill me um <laughs> uh, where so, would you put the sausage rolls <laughs> exactly right yeah that is a big bone of contention um so uh, there, but there's rental darkrooms near me and I, I was meant to go actually this month and I didn't get the chance. Um, but, you know, one of the things I wanted to do was test out um, a few different papers to see what would be really suitable with Street Pan because I, you know, one of, some of the best feedback I got for, about Street Pan was from this guy who he, he messaged me and he, he bought some and he said, at first, you know, I was really sceptical. I thought, oh, no, it's going to be one of these males and he's going to just sort of say how he doesn't like it or something. And and, and he, he went, you know, he was really sceptical, but he said, I got into the darkroom and this stuff absolutely shines. I've never seen anything like it. This is my go-to from now on. And, you know, it, that was really nice to hear. That was that was a great thing to hear. And And this is the feedback I've been getting that, you know, using this film in the darkroom is a really rewarding experience. And I found that when I have used it myself, you can get a lot more than you think you can get out of it. And so, you know, it's what I, and I've said it on the blog for years, you know, get in the darkroom. Even if you only get one chance a month, one chance every six months, just go, just, just try it because it, it really will help anyone uh, improve their photography, improve the way they look at their photography, improve the way they look at themselves. Um, how yeah how they perceive the world so you know yeah it's definitely something that has been growing um we've got new darkrooms rental darkrooms here in tokyo which is kind of cool but they are crazy expensive so <laughs> um, but um yeah i mean i really i really do need to get this is the thing though as m said it's kind of difficult because 
I cannot get the range of chemicals, I cannot get the range of papers that most of the other places in the world can. And it's really frustrating because you're limited to like a really set sort of range of stuff here. So yeah. I'm never going to be able to sort of make those comparisons. So I rely on feedback from my customers for them to tell me what they think works well, you know. And I've been very fortunate to have a couple of really great customers who've just been, oh, by the way, I've tested this out with every developer and every single paper, and these are my thoughts. Oh, cool, thanks. <laughs> you know? Do you think, I mean, would we ever see, is there any potential of seeing a street pan paper? <laughs> um, I, mean, <laughs> I would like to, and I have discussed it. Um, but that's a whole nother uh, sort of side of the business. Um, and so it, 2020 it, then. Gonna, you know, I mean, yeah, yeah 2020. Um, first quarter. And uh, <laughs> so basically, you know, you're looking at a whole new um, investment line. And, and which takes money. And I refuse to kickstart. I refuse to do any of those things because I want to have a viable product that's ready for market. Um, and I, I, so, you know, I'm kind of hampered as to how much money I've actually got. Uh, you know, if there's any angel investors listening. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it is something I have discussed and it has something I have thought about. So we never say never around here. Um, Aid, I, I know it's a kind of almost running joke, um, you and film development, incidentally, see you tomorrow, I think we'll develop a role of film tomorrow, but, um, but I, I, kind of, I understand... Are you going to take my cherry tomorrow then? Is that <laughs> <laughs> oh, did you have to put it like that? Oh, we're all, oh it's still too early for that. Um, but I can, I can kind of understand yours and many other people's lack of interest or desire to do film developing. It is a it's a mechanical thing to a certain extent. It's something that automating it, getting somebody else to do it, it kind of, you don't lose much, but does printing hold any more interest for you as it is a, a far more creative part of the process? I, I, I'm, I'm the cliched person who has no time. So, you know, yeah, it, it, if, if I had more time, uh, then yes, I might be able to invest in, in, in a new hobby because that's essentially what it would be for me or mm -hmm. at least a, an extension to an existing one. Uh, the, uh, and to be honest, I, I have hobbies already that I don't get the time to do as much as I would like. Um, uh, I'm not really in a place to, to invest in that time purely because I don't have the time to invest. But it is something I would like to to try. Uh, and and I think the yeah I mean the, the the printing side of it is probably more of, of interest to me than the developing side of it because my perception rightly or wrongly is is pretty aligned to what you just said which is that the development bit is 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 a, is a, is a process a mechanical process and I know you, I know there are choices but but it's still a process whereas the printing bit can be uh, you know a very creative exercise in its own right yeah I'd like to try. Um, uh, am I am I going to suddenly jump in with both feet? I, I, I doubt it, but that's just me personally. I, even if I like it, I just don't have the time or the opportunity to do it. So, yeah, so. I'm, I'm exactly the same. Like I just there's just did we talk about this last week? Because we were talking, you were talking about how you'd managed to refine your <clears throat> um your workflow to the point that you know you can shoot roll a film and scan it on your phone or with your Fuji or whatever it was really quickly and easily and. 
with, with the Instax, so with the Instax film, yes, they're, they're, we, we, yeah. we were talking about that. So not so much with negative or, or positive film. But the point, the point is, is that the, I think the point that we were talking around, regardless of the type of film, was that it's neither of us, neither of us have any time. So it, you know, I've got my workflow with with shooting film to the point that I, I'm able to, I can shoot a role, I send it to Duncan with some uh, silver pack with some instructions. Um, we have a conversation about those instructions and then I get a roll of film back and then I put it through my Naritsu, which takes about 10 minutes. And the I've got that workflow so tight because it's the only way that I can fit it into my fit shooting film, into my, into my life. <clears throat> um, so there are always going to be the me and aids, I think, out there who just haven't as much as we would like to go and spend you know lose four hours you know people always say that dark rooms are a, a um are, you know a, a complete sort of black hole in terms of how much time they take you go in you come out six hours later and you've got one Can and, it's, confirm. and it's, it's dark and i'm like well that sounds lovely but i <laughs> where are you finding six yeah. hours because i can't find six minutes in most of my days yeah yeah i mean you've got your workflows down pretty pat I shoot a roll, it sits in my drawer for about three weeks to six, goes to somebody else, somebody develops it, I get it back, and then it sits in a file for maybe a year. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm impressed. (laughs) Okay, we're we're starting to run out of time. So before we do complete, I just want to go around the horn. Um, Em, if you're in somewhere that isn't, um, the middle of a motorway <laughs> junction at the moment. I don't know whether you're on or not. Um, final I thoughts. I can't guarantee anything. Oh, well, I'll take what we can get. Um, final thoughts on how you feel 2019 has been and, and what you're hoping for from 2020. Uh, 2019, good, great, fantastic film, brilliant, paper, lovely. Uh, 2020 for me, I, I want to see... I want to see new camera hardware that has more than one shutter speed. Hey, Bellamy, how's that going? (laughs) Uh... (laughs) (laughs) I'm not sure whether Bellamy actually said that it would have more than one shutter speed, to be fair, to be fair. (laughs) Yeah, I would. I just, I just like to see new, new camera hardware, to be honest. It doesn't matter what it is. Reflex have had more, more downs this year than they've had ups but they're they're still at it they're doing what they're what they can do i just i hope that someone like uh lamography who've got a fantastic track record um can can pull out the stops with something with more of a an advanced shutter yeah okay um, yeah. um by, by the way Sorry. yeah by the way I'm, I'm gonna have to leave now as well so i'm gonna say goodbye um right, thank yeah. you have a great Christmas, New Year, all of that kind of stuff. Uh, talk dirt about me. And, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll see you in 2020. Merry Christmas, see you mate. 2020, Take care. Em. Cheers, mate. See you guys. See yeah. you okay, Bellamy, same question for you then. Uh, tw- and how is 2019 for you in general? And what are you hoping for? And you know, what can we expect from Japan Camera Hunter in 2020? Um, 2019 was great. Uh, I mean, it was world's on fire but apart from that's great uh, <laughs> everything's you know. fine um, but i mean you know it's it's been up and down um you know because economic woes i think people are sort of film is a luxury so it's uh not one of the uh priorities for people when they don't have money for other stuff like food um 
you know, um, so that has been a concern. But so far, things have been good. 2020, um, I'm hoping for, again, as M said, new films, cool. Um, how about a new camera um, with, as, as M said, a variable shutter or a decent lens? Or, you know, um, what I'd like to see is some form of um, really good scanning tech, you know, like a new <laughs> pack-on. Yeah. Um, because, you know, as Hamish said and as, uh, as others said, uh, I, myself, getting into the darkroom isn't always that easy. And if we want to attract a new generation, that you know, they're going to have to have other options available, which would be putting stuff online, scanning. If there was a fast, reliable, quality, easy system to use, that would be smashing, you know. Um, but I don't know if that's actually going to happen because... I'm not working on that. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're working on the camera front. So, I mean, uh, is your statement indicating that we can definitely look forward to the, um, <laughs> the no, mark one? No, I, I'm, I'm going to be firm. <laughs> it's, you know, I mean, I've put a lot of money into the research and, and on how it's viable. It is viable, but to, to do it would take sort of investment that, would blow a lot of people's minds and certainly a lot of investors minds because it's not just uh, something that you could put in and see a return within two years yeah you know yeah um, it's a very long-term investment and i think quite a lot of them are quite nervous about those at the moment so you know um we're hampered by lack of investment more than anything so, yeah uh, so is is that project Waiting for the market, yeah. Waiting for the market to grow enough that investors will feel more confident to be able to to jump in on this. Um, you're hired. Uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Basically, yeah. That's what it comes down to. It, yeah. it, the market. Um, you know, we've shown people that we can grow. Now we're showing people that we can mature, and and now we've got to show people that we can do both at the same time. Yeah. And, yeah. and then once they see that. Um, that you know, there are manufacturers out there that have the capabilities to do these things, and I think they will start to take note. Yeah, uh, but Em and I were chatting just briefly before you guys came on, and you know, he's out uh, about today shooting with his um, Nikon F6, and I, I learned recently. I think it was um, Dan Kay showing a piece about it, and I actually got to play with John Whitmore's F6, and this is a camera that's still in production, which I hadn't realised. Um, do you think? that there's any chance that Nikon might look at doing something. I mean, they have the capacity to build a film camera. They have the wherewithals. They have the shutters. Do you think there's now, a point where you can see them? Yeah. Now would be the right time for them. You see, you know, Nikon are losing money hand over fist in DSLRs. Um, you know, and them losing money hand over fist in uh, compact cameras. You know, they're basically, that market's gone. Um, for them, and that yeah. was a, you know, that was a big, big money spinner for them. So they're going to have to look into smaller, more niche markets, diversifying luxury markets. You know, if if they want to, you know, keep it in the keep it in the black, basically. You know, the, the fortunes of Nikon have been up and down over the years, and and you know they have taken risks in the past, particularly with their Millennium sets. Um, you know, uh, the S3 and the SP reissues which cost them an insane amount of money to do mm. but you know they did it and they 
do do things like that. And it would not surprise me if they suddenly said, hey, you remember the FM3A? Well, you know, that, I mean, to, to bring something like that back, an SLR. That, that would be the camera to bring back as well, wouldn't it? So Right, exactly. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I say that because it's the it's the spiritual successor of the cameras I shoot with, but it's it, it's uh, it, it it is a compact SLR with all modern bits and bobs, you know, that that will be reliable. It's yeah, it's the pinnacle of everything they learned from a mechanical SLR. You know, it, it's the culmination of all of that. Um, if they could, yeah, because there's rangefinders, but I think to appeal to mass market, they would need an SLR. No, and they could, yeah, bring a couple of versions out. The fancy version with all the bells and whistles for the people who've got what would basically be a two thousand dollar camera. You know, there's no way you're going to get it for less than that. Um, Or uh, a cheaper version, the studenty version um, of the same camera. You know, minus some of the bells and whistles. You know, the bare bones version, which might end up being more popular. You know, so yeah. It's not unfeasible to to think that it's not out of the realms of reality for them to actually be able to do that. No, yeah, I, I, I think somebody's going to do. I think one of the big brands will do. So. And it, it, I, I've said this, but we were talking about this with Ethan the other week, weren't we? Mm. I think that one of the big brands will take the um, will make the step eventually, and that will be a, um, you know that that. That would be a catalyst for a lot more things happening, I think. Yeah, I think I think Fuji's a really good contender as well. They've obviously got the, you know, with the Instax, you know, they're making these cam, they're making these cameras, aren't they? So they, you know, although the technology is obviously a lot different, it's nonetheless they are capable of making cameras that are, as far as I can tell, pretty well, pretty well made. Fuji, still, Fuji also still have the engineers because they're still working in the repairs department, repairing their previous lines of film cameras like mm. the natura like the gf670 and they're still working there they haven't retired they haven't you know so they've still got this skill set which is required to make a camera like that so you know again it, it and they've still got the, the they've got their own lens manufacturer so they could just knock their own lenses out as well the funny yeah. thing it's it, it, it for me you know when we were talking about these we've had these we have this conversation quite frequently i think this I, it's the first time now that I think that I've been this, that this conversation is happening, where it, it feels like a, you know, it feels like something that's viable. I think you know you, you've obviously discovered for yourself, Bellamy and Reflex, apparently discovering for themselves that you know that it's, this is a very difficult thing for somebody to come and do from um, do from scratch, or a very costly oh, thing, if not difficult. And from from trying to bring a very basic product to market, I can certainly understand why it would be so why it'd be so complicated and costly. Um, but you know, I think if there's going to be a couple of kind of technological things that happen, you know, somebody will create a you know either Nikon, Fuji, whatever will come out with a new camera, and that will be the catalyst for other brands doing it, or somebody will come out with a new shutter mechanism or something that is you know an oem thing that people can use and you know the within the community there's kind of well in the industry there's 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 always two sides to it there's the sort of cottage industry 
you know, there's the same story for scanning as a cost industry that's doing things like what I'm doing, Pixelator, and um, what the those um, guys are doing in the states. That negative thing in Jigger, the one that that rolls film through negative it. Negative supplies. Negative supplies, and um, you know, and and uh, Abe and uh, and Nate and all these people that are making these apps and whatnot. Um, if if there's something within cameras that can um, fill the necessary hole for for those sides of, to to get on and do so, as I say, I think it's a shutter that's needed, isn't it? Really, uh, yep. an OEM shutter that people can buy. Yep. Um, then that will that will f- fulfill that side of things, and then the other side will come from a. Unfortunately, when it comes to scanning, I don't think we're going to see. I don't think we will see another. Um, another pack on for a while. I think the digital. Well, I mean, I would say this, but I think the digitalization with digital cameras is probably the the, the just the future. Um, and just because you know, it, it's a it's a very very complicated process to create something like that, and the market is significantly smaller because you're talking about creating essentially commercial scanners. Um, and if Noritsu couldn't. You know, Noritsu stopped making them this year, so if they couldn't carry on making them, I don't think there's a chance that a, another brand will come up with a, you know, a commercial yeah. scanner. Well, Duncan was saying that um, <coughs> you know, Hasselblad has stopped making theirs now because he was telling us that he's just spent more money than I've spent on all of the vehicles I own to buy this Hasselblad scanner. I own four vehicles. <laughs> so <laughs> this is an expensive scanner. Uh, admittedly, they're not expensive vehicles, but nonetheless. Um, but, I mean, and even... Um, uh, Epson with the, the flatbed scanners. I, I think it's been a while since they put out a new iteration of those, isn't it? Mm. I think is the 850 the last one. I maybe I've just missed out, but it feels like it's been a few years on, on a product line that was being iterated on in in tiny, tiny ways. But um, it feels like they've gone well. We've done as much as we can with this and stop. So. Yeah. Um, is there anything else, Hamish, that you're hoping for, or you think we might see in 2020? Um, more positivity. <laughs> <laughs> and the irony award for 2019. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, well, I have been a grumpy this year, haven't I? But the um, I've been a grumpy for quite a few years. But the <laughs> the um, I, I was talking to, and I've got um, a post coming out. Um, we all started for a conversation um, with the guys um, from Photo Classic. I've got a post coming out, a sort of interview type post coming out on New Year's um, Day. And it, the mood of that conversation as we were t- talking through it was was positive and I felt quite positive about it as well. It feels like everything is, oh, yeah, okay, things are getting more expensive and blah, 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 blah. But it feels like everything is sort of solidifying and, you know, Tetanol was saved and, um, the you know, we've got these new films and, you know, we're talking, I think, sensibly about new cameras, even though it's nothing, there's nothing necessarily on the horizon yet. I do think it's, as I say, a distinct possibility that it's going to happen. It, things feel more Things feel more solid and I think the... Really, we are now getting to a stage where the narrative around, you know, it was the, for a long time, the narrative was, oh, film is dead. 
and or film's not dead and you know that kind of argument whether or not it's dead and that that's really there's no there isn't a narrative around that anymore it is we just have now um an alternative film is an alternative or analog photography whatever you want to call it is just an alternative to digital and it and it feels like that it has it's found its place as that um and the narrative around that is is a lot more um Broadly speaking, I think a lot more positive, and certainly based on a lot on an industry that is feeling a little bit more stable. Yeah, I mean, a good indicator of that. I and mean, obviously, last year we had a, a much better presence at the photography show than had been the previous year. And, and this year it's um, going to be ace. And this year it's going to be ace. I mean, do you, do you want to talk about what? I know it's still at the early stages, but what people yeah, can yeah. expect well, at the we photography are, show this year? We're, we're very, very close to. Well, we will be announcing all this and talking about it very soon so we've got um we've got the photography show so i contacted the photography show i've probably said this before i contacted the photography show before the last photography show um <clears throat> about the idea of, 20, of 2020 having a, a, a significantly greater footprint um of analog stuff um, and sort of pitch the idea to them that we should have a um a, a sort of an analog zone um at, at 2020 they um were incredibly receptive i think that they were uh, they had it in their mind to do something they didn't necessarily have a, a specific idea of what they were going to do i think they just needed um uh, sort of uh, you, you, you know sort of connections or more connections in the analog community which i i think i've brought to them um so we're going to have a um, we've got a 60 square meter stand that's called uh, and that's going to be called the analog showcase uh, within that we've got 12 um sort of micro pod stands so normally if you have a stand at the analog photography uh, sorry the photography show it, it's sort of a two and a half grand thing and you get a couple of meters square um but i, I kind of pitched them the idea that most of the certainly like pixelated for example i haven't got two and a half grand no chance um, but I could probably afford a grand um, for a much smaller stand. So we've got this big stand with these tiny little micro stands on it, um, sort of around the outside of the one end of it. There's, hopefully we're going to have a dark room on the stand as well. We're going to have a demonstration zone. So this is going to be the, the kind of core of the um, the sort of analog photography presence. The, the um, uh, Patterson stand is is just a couple of stands up. We've got Intrepid stands just a couple of stands down, I think, or, or quite close. We've got Sam Solican stand is is right next door, um, and the uh, disabled photographers um, have for the first time in years have moved from one side of the show to another to be next to us. Um, so there's going to be a proper, a sort of a wider analog zone with this kind of uh, what's called the analog showcase in the middle of it. There's going to be quite a lot more talks and quite a lot more. They're, they're sort of, uh, you know, the doors open to to, to sort of, have, you know, uh, us as a community putting on analog events or sort of sub events within the the photography show as well. So, so yeah, it's really exciting. They've been really receptive. They're brilliant, brilliant people to work with. Actually, they. Um, Ruth and, and Richard have been absolutely fantastic at, at sort of, um, you know, really responsive to all of the ideas that I've had and have just kind of rolled with everything. So, it, yeah, it's going to be, I think it's going to be really good. Actually, I'm really excited about um that sounds, that sounds awesome. Anything. I haven't heard all of that stuff before, actually. So, so that, that sounds really exciting. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, you guys have been. I, I don't know. I'm going to say this on 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 the. That's where you can probably edit it out. I suppose if you're not going to do it, but they've invited sort of via me, you guys, as I've told you before, to ha- to do a live recording of a podcast in front of a bit of an audience. I think so. Yeah, well, so, certainly something uh, we we need we need to look into from a more technical point of view. I don't think there's any lack of uh, I don't think there's any lack of will or incentive for the Sunny Sixteen podcast team. It's just that kind of thing requires a chunk of kit. I would have the conversation with them because they probably will have access to that that sort of kit uh, yeah. if, if needs be. And I've certainly got other kit I could bring along. If, if we'll figure it out. So we'll figure it out. <laughs> well, we've, got, we've got two months. We'll figure it out. <laughs> it's it's, it's, it's going to be great. Yeah. It's going to be, it's, I think genuinely, it's going to be, it's going to be brilliant. I think, it, you know, I, I, we've already got people from the States coming over um, and, uh, Nico's from you know Nico photography show whatever he calls himself YouTube channels coming over from the continent as well. Um, it, it you know there's going to be that thing that happened sort of accidentally at Photokina a couple of years ago when all of a sudden everybody was just seemed to be in the same place at the same time. It, it's it's that again hopefully um, in in Birmingham. Yeah, exciting stuff. Graham, what are you looking forward to for 2020? Oh, that's a good question. You know, and somebody asked me about this on Twitter. Uh, the thing I'm currently um, most looking forward to is actually getting, getting my act together and getting sorted um, with the Sony 16 Present stuff. Uh, that sad, though, uh, sad and um, inward looking maybe though that is because um, I'm just really excited about getting uh, more people's voices out there. Um, so that's the thing that I'm really, I really want to focus on and get out there. And just, I think as Hamish said, just. Um, seeing the the film community in in the next stage in the you know we're, we're past the schrodinger's film stage of is it alive or is it dead it's like no it, it is alive it's a different medium and and the conversations that can go forward from there being very different um i think it's really exciting so yeah you know I, new films new stuff is always great but I, you know i'm currently quite happy with a lot of what we've got more is always better obviously but um no, it's just more more conversations next year and more interesting conversations. I'm really looking forward to that. Okay, well, I'll add my last one, which I think is probably the same as I said last year, <laughs> um, which is I'd like an instant camera with 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 an instant film camera, I should say, with with more control and and more choice for lenses and stuff like that. Um, I'm not doing to, <laughs> Don't keep dreaming. Keep it well. No, we, we've just been talking about how Fuji might be able to make a mark in in the in the camera manufacturing and sales world. You know what would be simpler than than evolving uh, an already existing line of products to get us into a space where there's higher quality available. Um, you know, it's it, it's it's a thought. It's but you know, it's it's a Christmas wish. Let's just put it that way and see where we <laughs> see where we get to. We should probably wrap up there, hadn't we? Hadn't, shouldn't we? Because it's uh, wherever you are, uh, it, it, whether you're waiting on sausage rolls, which are probably now cold, or whether you're waiting for your breakfast, which is probably now over as a, as, a, as a whole concept yeah well breakfast yeah <laughs> uh, that, yeah that didn't go quite so well did it um we it's probably time to wrap up the show so uh, bellamy we haven't heard from you for a few minutes are you still there or did you go eat yeah i'm i'm mashing my spuds <laughs> <laughs> is that a euphemism <laughs> oh, yes. okay so well clearly it's dinner time it, it clearly it's dinner time in the jch household is it it is, yeah. It's dinner time. 
No, I, well. So I, I'll bid you guys adieu. Thank you for having me on. Um, have a smashing new year and a fantastic Christmas. And I hope, you know, Santa's sack is bulging with things for you. <laughs> well thank you thank you very much and and you too uh merry christmas and happy new year to to, to you and to, to all the family and, and everybody out there so yes happy christmas bellamy cheers take care guys bye bye okay and then there were three hamish <laughs> you're not gonna get anything as pleasant out of me as that are you really? <laughs> happy bloody christmas everybody <laughs> Are you are you at least going to take a little bit of a break? I know you are one of the world's busiest people with all the stuff you've got going on, but yeah, I have two weeks off at Christmas. Yeah, every year. Me too. And I am going to have two weeks off at Christmas. So yeah, hundred percent. It's, uh, it's the it's the for all of I mean I, it's yeah it's the best best time of year as far as I'm concerned. I can give a monkey's about Christmas itself really, but two weeks off the days. Fair so enough. Yeah, that's definitely happening. <laughs> Fair enough. If that's what if that's what counts as a Merry Christmas from Hamish, I will take that and bank it and move quickly on. <laughs> okay. Well, this uh, this this I think is uh, Graham. Was this the last podcast of twenty nineteen? Oh no, it won't be the last podcast. Um, there will be, uh, be a Christmas one, least, won't there? An actual Christmas. There will be one. a Christmas one which will come out on Boxing Day. I'm assuming we don't flub it completely tomorrow, but I'm sure there'll be something out on Boxing Day, and there'll be at least one backing paper between now and the New Year as well. So, don't worry, more stuff to come. Okay, so so if this is the okay, so interesting. So there'll be one backing paper before Christmas, I guess. But this is the last Sunny Sixteen mainstream show if that is the one you want to call it before christmas so merry christmas yeah. to uh, to all our listeners um it's been great uh 2019 some of the highlights for me have been the the more of our listeners i've had a chance to meet in person always great um and just the interaction the conversation the the community that we build around the podcast so at this community spirited time of year i just like to say thank you to everybody uh stick with us we're going to have some more exciting things for next year uh including all the stuff that hamish has just described that we need to figure out <laughs> um we have been the sunny 16 podcast all the way through 2019 right the way up to nearly christmas <laughs> You can get us on the internet. Uh, basically, just go to sunny16podcast.com and everything is linked from there. And if you do go to the website, uh, you get to experience things like Matthew's cover art <laughs> and, <laughs> and uh, entries for the Cheap Shots Challenge, uh, which will be going up over the Christmas period because, of course, the Cheap Shots Challenge is is Christmas, isn't it, Graham? Uh, it certainly is Christmas. Yeah, we started getting some pictures in. So, yes, get your Cheap Shots Challenge cameras out. Now seems like the time. And um, and there will be for a form up imminently. Or just email us your pictures in to sunny16podcast yeah. at gmail.com. Talking of Christmas pictures, eh, just quickly, um, you were out at your, your Christmas meetup with everybody on um, Tuesday, weren't you? We, we were, yes, yes, but it was just drinks in a pub. So the, It um, looks like you had a good time, judging by the photo that friend of the show, Paul McKay, sent in. Yeah, that we, we of you of me. I'm not <laughs> sure. I don't think I've seen that. Then. Oh, no, I don't think you have. I'm sure you will at some point. I believe it's been passed on to Matthew. <laughs> right. Okay. Well, I, I will wait for that to come and haunt me. I've um, got a great uh, shot of you from the other weekend as well that I took with that fish island. That's coming out in a post tomorrow. Is it? <laughs> is it? 
<laughs> See, this is this is the thing, isn't it? I, I'm not shy of being in front of the camera. I know a lot of photographers prefer to be behind the camera. I don't mind having my photo taken. You but... did give me a really good grin for a slightly longer period of time whilst I focused the uh, camera. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But but I did that in a, from a position of trust and friendship, Hamish. I, I yes. assume you're not going to abuse that. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay so yes cheap shots challenge over christmas folks um catch up with everything going on the show on the sunny 16 podcast website oh and on 35 mmc of course for our remaining guest hamish um you know i'm sure that it sounds like there's plenty of great stuff including photographs of me going out on 35 mmc (laughs) you'll be able to see that by the time this podcast comes out then by the sound of things yeah, it comes out where it'll be out. It's yeah, it's going live tomorrow. So yeah, I might I could make that the lead image actually. Come on, the post. <laughs> yes, I don't think I've is. ever been anybody's lead image before, but there you go. <laughs> so that would be a first for me. All right, folks, uh, we will play you out with Rachel's band Rocker. Rachel unfortunately couldn't be here uh, because she is doing a, a Christmas market. I think today isn't she, Graham? Yes, um, she is. You know, very important time here for Rach uh, and her business. So uh, whilst we miss her, we are going to see her in person tomorrow as we record. Uh, we have our Christmas meetup, the three of us. So looking forward to that. Um, but we will play you out uh, with Rachel's band Rocker. You can get that album, Promises I Should Have Kept, uh, on Spotify, on Bandcamp, on iTunes, on Amazon, I think, and probably other places as well. Uh, as always, it has been an honour and a privilege to talk to you all. We'll be back next week. Goodbye. Bye. 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 <laughs> <laughs>